0: Well, good morning. I'm glad you're with us, and um, hope you enjoyed uh, holiday time and uh, time of thankfulness. And um, we are wrapping up. Um, we have this Sunday is really the last Sunday of our Adventum teaching series. Next week's a celebration. You don't want to miss it. You want to be here next week. But if you're if you're new around here or, or you're visiting with us, we've been in a series that we've we've spent. All the entirety of the fall in, um, called Adventum, um, and Adventum is a Latin word meaning adventure. We've been on a journey. We've been looking at, at the different components of life and, and what it means to be ready for something, and, um, and, and even at the beginning, not even knowing necessarily where this was headed, but just saying, can we get ourselves in a spot where we're ready for the work of God in the world around us? And, and we're glad that you're, that you're here today and we're wrapping up really the teaching on this today by talking about a ready world. What does it mean when we start to turn our attention to outside and, and looking at the world and, and what God may have been doing in us to prepare us for his work beyond, beyond just this community, beyond just this, this place within these people, but, but in the world. And, um, and so um, we're, we're glad you're here. My name is Tom. I'm our teaching pastor here. And... And I'm glad to share this with you today. We're um, and to start, I'm going to say um, if if you if you look at the news and we talk about the world, if you look at the world around us, it can be confusing, it can be frightening. And so I decided actually just yesterday I decided that um, to share with you the the stories that are on like my news feed. Okay, so my news feed that comes to me, I'm just going to show you some of the things that are on my news feed, and I think you'll start to see, like, some of these things are just, some of them are, are scary, like, so maybe trigger warning. Like, some of them are scary. Some of them are just confusing. And, and, and what do we do with that? You know, th- th- some of you know, like, you know, former Ohio State football player Terrell Pryor was stabbed over the weekend, okay, in, in his apartment in Pittsburgh. That was all over my news. Um, any story with Jeffrey Epstein blackmail and whatever a hot list is, okay, was, is not a good story. Like, this Epstein story has got, like, the tentacles of it are are terrible and it's it's awful and, and, and it's but it's all over the news and, and, and you 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 read anything and there there's his name again. Um this was right there a, a shooting in a mall in Syracuse. Okay? Um even like the wealthy can't avoid it like can't avoid bad news, right? Trevor Bauer, you know, formerly Indians now Reds pitcher, <laughs> did you see this story? Um a oh, poor guy. Like um he took his McLaren in for to, for repairs, and actually, here's a picture. A, if you can see it, a tire from a, a, a truck flew off and, and totaled his McLaren, poor guy. Um, <laughs> something tells me he'll be able to replace it, but you know, like, bad news for him, right? <clears throat> um, an Indiana teen, I'm gonna quickly, like, killed in her car by a passenger in the back seat. Um, what about this? Nursing homes are illegally evicting elderly and disabled residents who can't afford to pay. That's what? This is happening in our world? Um, you know, Fareed doesn't think that democracy is going to survive. Like, this is, there's this question, right? It's, it, like, th- th- there's a lot of gloom and doom. Like, are we living at the last point of, of even our nation's history? This one showed up, okay? Wisconsin Village, the doctor makes house calls and sees the rarest diseases on earth. Okay, I, I don't know that I want to read about it, though, but there it was, like, right in front of me. It, it, this, I thought this was strange, okay? If, if you've been on the Disney Plus thing... And I've got four kids. We're on the Disney Plus train, okay? But this was like Star Wars fans aren't arguing, and that's news, <laughs> right? This person says, it's strange, it's weird that Star Wars fans are not arguing. This is just the world we live in. And this, right below it, and this is, I know this is a controversial topic, um, but I find it confusing because Billy D. Williams has said he's gender fluid, okay? So he might at times be a woman, which, he's Lando Calrissian. Like, this was confusing for me when I saw this story. It's just, it's our world, right? How about this? There's like thousands of things on Disney+. Plus. I'll, you're catching a theme. You can figure out what I've been reading about on my newsfeed. Um, but thousands of things on Disney, but we need an article about what's not there. Okay? So here's an article about what's not there. And, and, but, and seriously now, okay? The most horrifying thing that I saw when I went through this exercise yesterday is that Johnny Depp... Is producing a musical based on Michael Jackson's life. If that's not scary, okay? I just, in all seriousness though, we, 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 there are, our world is just, I, I don't know that the world is necessarily any more or less complex than it ever was, um, but, but the world is right in front of us. Like every corner, every pocket of the world is brought to us on a daily basis, on hour by hour, just more stuff is presented to us. And what do we do with, with the world around us? What do we do to make sense of it? And, and the answer for most of us is, is this. For most people, we actually have, we use stories, okay? I know we, we, we live at a point in time where we think data is king. But I think that, I, I firmly believe that almost every piece of data or data that, that, that we're given we, 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 we're, it's given to us, and then what we do is we find a place for the new information, the new data within a story that we, that we believe or something that we hold on to. A lot of our stories, we don't even really think about them, the stories that, that, we, that we use to sort of anchor ourselves to reality, to explain the world around us. But, but what our stories do is they allow us to interpret the, the confusing things that we see or even the frightening things that we see, what do we do with the fact that we live in a world where, where people just are, are, one, are one moment in a shopping mall and then someone attacks? Like, how do we make sense of that? How do we make sense of a world where, where uh, like, there's all kinds of identity issues and questions that, that we're wrestling with that, again, just a generation ago, we didn't even think to ask those questions. And the answer is we, we either anchor ourselves in story of some kind, in a narrative, or we're, we're not anchored. And it, it, we stay confused and scared by the world around us. And so today, we're going to talk about the stories that we, that we use when it comes to understanding our world. And we're going to ask, well, what, do we, what, what, what story can, do we have that, that can hold it together? that can explain the world to us, that can give us hope. And I'm going to ask you for the next just couple minutes to forgive me for, with an, on one end or the other. Either you may be on one end of this or the other. Either This may be a terrible oversimplification for some of you. Okay. Some of you are really into these things, and you're going to find this terribly oversimplified. If we had a semester's worth of philosophy class, we could really dive into the nuance of all this. But I'm going to try and do this in about four minutes. Okay? For others of you, you're going to say like, "Oh, good lord, he's dropped an ism on us or three, and it's too much." And bear with me, okay? I want—I just want—but what I want to do is I want to try and 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 just lay out some the 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 generally the stories that we use in our culture to try and explain things. I think there's this is the oversimplification part. I think there's generally three types of stories that we tell, and the first is a story of naturalism. Okay, it's a story of naturalism. Naturalism is is it's I think it's the dominant story of our culture right now. It's it's the story that puts science front and center, the scientific method. Um and, and it's the story of kind of the big the big A's like atheism, agnosticism, skepticism, those kinds of things. Like the story of naturalism, and, and naturalism is a story that simply says this. It says that the world is what it is. Like there's there's nothing hidden behind the physical world. So so it's all just material. It's biology, it's chemistry, it's physics, and, and that's about the extent of it, and that explains everything we need to know. Okay? And so the dominant stories that get told from a naturalist' perspective are stories of survival. Okay? We, you know, grossly another gross uh, oversimplification but, but survival of the fittest, that, that life is a struggle for limited resources. And you'd better get yours before someone else takes yours and you're, you're at risk, okay? And our culture sort of uses the naturalist stories, we tell those stories, to try and help explain what's going on in the world around us. But there's a, there's a trick to this, as, as the philosopher Nietzsche said, that, that if, if that's all that there is, and he believed that's all that there is, he said, then there really is no meaning. There's nothing beyond the material world, then there's, there is no real hope there's only the the will to survive the, the the might that you have the strength that you have the power to assert your will is all that exists and and in the end there's a word for it it's it's, it's an ism of nothingness okay and and so so there's there's naturalist stories. Another category, another, another way that, that stories get told is mysticism. It's the exact opposite of naturalism. Mysticism actually says, says it, this is this would be more Eastern culture. This would be, the mystic would be someone who actually says the physical world that you see in front of you, it's not even really real. Okay, it's just an illusion. It's, it's fake. It's fabricated. And, and we actually have some famous stories like this. I'm, I'm talking about Star Wars earlier. In, in essence, Star Wars is a mystical story that there's, a, there's a, a force in the universe, a power that we're all connected to. It's what's really real, and the physical stuff isn't really real. The Matrix stories were like that. that, that and so mysticism has been introduced to us, but it just says sort of like the world is an illusion, and the, 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 the stories of mysticism to try and tie things together are stories of enlightenment. Okay? And so, when the world is confusing, the mystic detaches himself from the world and tries to get away and, and tries to use just the power of either positive thought or the power of de- that, that detachment to, to get some distance from the, the trouble of the world. Okay? The last one that I want to talk about is the ism of fundamentalism. It's fundamentalism. And fundamentalism is, again, I'm oversimplifying, so please bear with me. But, but fundamentalism is, is a story that, or is, is an explanation that says the world is simple. It's fundamental. You just need this, this one thing or these two things. And the stories that get told in fundamentalism oftentimes are stories of power struggle. Okay? They're stories of power struggle. That I've got, I've got a hold on everything that is true right here in front of me. And if you reject or deny what I believe to be true then I'm, I have to go to war with you or I have to fight with you in order to assert my story, in order to assert my truth. So, so it, naturalism and fundamentalism sort of may share some, s- some similarities. Okay? I'm not here to say that the roots of fundamentalism, that there are certain things that are fundamentally true. Okay? But, but there's a way of viewing the world that says that if I'm right, my rightness gives me the authority to subject you to my power, whatever power I may have, and that's where this this it, it goes off the rails. It steps aside, and so the fundamentals it, it, it does it spends, it spends an awful lot of energy trying to suppress others. Okay, we often see this in 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 a lot of a lot of theistic religious perspectives. Okay, and many there are many Christians who this is the this is their perspective, is that because I'm right, I now have permission to to try and suppress others with my rightness. And when that happens in the name of Christ, I would assert I would say that it's absolutely not right, okay? That it's 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 not it's not good, it's not true, it's not loving. And so what we want to do is today ask, it, it, of course, it's a rhetorical question, right? But is there an alternative? Is there an alternative to those three things? Those those three baskets, they kind of wind up being the stories that we use to try and explain and understand our world, to try and give purpose and meaning, to try and anchor ourselves when things are, are frightening or they're confusing. But is there an alternative? Or are these, this, these stories all that we've got? And we're going to look at several passages. If you have your Bible, maybe put a finger in, um, in 1 Corinthians 15, Colossians 1, and we're going to look at those in just a minute, okay? or just a few minutes. But before we get there... I want to just take a look at at something that's true in the Bible as a whole, okay? To just sort of get us to a place where we we say, there is a bigger story that's going on, okay? There is a bigger story that's going on. And if we actually begin at the very start of the Bible, and feel free to follow along with these in your Bible or I've got them up front here, okay? The very first words of the Bible say, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth and says the earth was without form it was void or it was it was empty and that says and darkness was over the face of the deep and the spirit of god was hovering over the face of the waters these are probably familiar words for a lot of us but it establishes three things that were true okay it's just a, a pattern God's about to go to work in Genesis 1, but it, before he goes to work, it tells us that the, the world that was there, when God created the heavens and the earth, the world that was there, it says it was formless, it was void, it was, it was empty, but it also was shapeless or chaotic. But what we're going to just, for this morning, we could follow these, any one of these trails, but we want to follow this one, that, that darkness was over the face of the deep, right, that, and and. and All that fear that we talk about in our world or all the confusion that we talk about in our world, I think it can be sort of understood by what the Bible calls darkness. Darkness. That there's a condition where God isn't present, and it's dark, that place, that condition. It's hard to see the truth. We're sort of grasping at whatever we can to try and make sense of things. But we're just just lunging in the dark. And so this idea of darkness, I want to pull on this thread a little bit. Because the very next thing, and you see it there, right, in verse 3? God said, let there be light, and there was light. You see, the very first condition, when when, when the world that is sort of without God's work. The world that just exists on its own is a dark place. It's a dark place. But when God goes to work, when God enters the picture, when God sets foot into the world to do his work, the first thing he does is he addresses the darkness. He brings light. And that is... That ought to be the first glimmer of hope in this whole thing. But it doesn't end there. Throughout the Old Testament, the image of light is used over and over again. It's associated with God's presence in visions. As angels arrive, there's, there's light is always in the picture. In the filling of the temple, there's, there's light that funnels itself into the temple of God as he takes up residence in a, in a physical place on earth. But I want to move to the New Testament. If we go, if we fast forward to the New Testament and look at the Gospel of John, okay, and notice, take a look real quick before we move. Look at those first words of Genesis 1. I think that John, when he sets out to write his Gospel, is almost like he's begging us to look back at Genesis 1 because he says this. See, it doesn't even change. In the beginning was the Word, okay? So in the beginning God creates, but in the beginning was the Word, and Word here is is, is used as sort of like, it's, it's used as a name for Jesus. So when you see word, we're, we're actually talking about Jesus. And John says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. He was, Jesus was the, the active agent of creation. Every, much, every bit as, as, as Yahweh, Jehovah in, in, in Genesis chapter 1 is Jesus. And in verse 4 it says, in him was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Okay, so we see this? So there's a condition without God, and it's, it's dark. It's confusing. It can be scary. We're easily startled. And God does something about it. And John's gospel begins by telling us this, that this Jesus that we're about to find out about, this Jesus that we're going to hear more about, this Jesus is the light that drives out the darkness. If we want to do something about the darkness, if we don't want to live with the confusion and the fear of the world around us, the move is towards the light, and Jesus is the light. you with me so far? Thanks for indulging. Because we're gonna jump, we're gonna fast forward even again. Okay. The New Testament talks about the light over a hundred different times. This imagery of light is used for Jesus, it's used for the truth, it's used for casting out the darkness over a hundred times. But here's one of the last instances. If we go to the very end, also written by, by John in Revelation, the very end, this is Revelation chapter 21. It's not the last chapter of the Bible. That'll be the next chapter we look at. But look at what it says here. This is talking about a new heavens and a new earth. So when all of history is done, these are future events for us. When all of history is done and it's all written and all the battles and the wars have been fought and all the questions now are, are answered, here's, the, here's what, where we find, we would say, we find heaven. And listen to this description in verse 22. He says, John says, he has a vision of this. He says, and I saw no temple in the city. For its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city, get this, has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light. And its lamp is the Lamb. By its light will the nations walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. And its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there, no darkness. You catch this? Just a few verses later in chapter 22, John writes again. And night will be no more, there will be no, 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 they will need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. Do you catch this? There's a big story being told, okay? There's a big story being told. And the story essentially says a couple things. Look at, look at these one by one. In creation, God made the world in part to address the reality of darkness, Okay? In creation, in God's act of creation, one of his immediate initial goals was to say that darkness is a real thing. Confusion, pain, sorrow, fear, those are real things. But I'm God, it says, if God announces and says, I'm here to do something about it, I'm here to do something about it. The second thing is this that Jesus is the manifestation, or he's the, the full image of God's work. He's the one who brings light to the world. If there were no Jesus, we'd be stuck with the darkness, okay? If, if, if the act of, of, of the incarnation where we're about to celebrate with the advent of, of Jesus coming to earth, if it had never taken place, we have no hope for the darkness. Nothing can be done about it. But finally, we look to the end of the Bible in Revelation. God is building a new world where all darkness is eliminated. This is the hope that... that the things we experience today only partially that, that, that Jesus brings light to the darkness in our world, ultimately and eventually, there's no darkness at all. It doesn't exist because we're with God. Okay? This is the anchoring story. This is the anchoring story that explains that, that there is real darkness in the world. We don't have to be like the mystics who say, it's just an illusion, there wasn't really a fatality. There wasn't really any harm done. The poor, That hunger that the poor feel, it's not real. It's just an illusion. No, that's not the biblical answer to this. The biblical answer says it's real. And God cares about it. And he's doing something about it. So the story refutes naturalism. It's not... That, that, that there's just a system at work and it just is what it is and nothing can be done about it and we're just left to survive the best we can and, and there's limited resources so you better get what you can or else you'll die off and you're done and you're dead and gone. It's not that either. You see, there's hope. There's hope for a future because God is not only actively doing something about the darkness that's real, but, but he's told us, I'm gonna win. I'm going to win. In the end, you'll be with me, and with me, there'll be no darkness at all. So what, okay, but what, what about us now? What's this have to do with Adventum? What's it have to do with our lives here in 2019? What do we do with this? Well, look at a few more uh, spots here. Take a look at, 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 again, another passage of Scripture in Matthew chapter 5. This is a Sermon on the Mount. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says this. He says, you are the light of the world. He's talking to, to those. This is, it's recorded in Matthew at the outset of Jesus' ministry. So those who've come in contact with Jesus, and he's talking to this crowd. He says, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who's in heaven. Do you catch this? So God says, let there be light, and Jesus is the light, and then Jesus himself says this to his followers. You're the light of the world. You see, the, the light that's, that I have, that I am, Jesus says, He now he gives to us and says, you take it. You're going to do something with it. Don't hide it. Don't suppress it. No, like get it out. Let others see this light so that they can glorify God. So so we come up against a, a new reality. Right? So we are the light. We shine so that so that Others can see the, the light, that others don't have to be stuck in the cycle of despair, in the cycle of darkness. And you see, we, so, so what, how, do we, how do we have a new story? There's, there's all kinds of ways to do this, but the fundamental, if we go back to fun, here's the difference between the fundamentalist and, and us, okay? Here's the difference. We have a fundamental truth. We have a fundamental story. But our fundamental story points us in a different direction. Here's the story. This is, you have your Bible, if you, or you can look up here, 1 Corinthians 15. This is the story. Okay, Paul's writing to the church in Corinth, and he lays it out. He says, I delivered to you as of first importance what I received. Here's what I received, and I'm giving to you of first importance. This is the basis, basic of the story. Christ died for our sins. Here's the story. We were... The darkness in the world. Our sin is is part of the darkness. Christ died for our sin. This is what he did. It happened according to the scriptures. It was foretold. It was going to be this way. And he did it. He followed through. And then catch this. This is the amazing part, right? How do we know that the story of of light to light with all the darkness in between, how do we know that, that we can count on it? Because verse four, he was buried and he was raised on the third day, again, in accordance with the scriptures. Do you catch this? Here's the story. What is, you may ask, what's the, what light do I have? What light is available to me that I can share? And here's, this is the answer. You ready? The darkness that was in you and in me has been taken away by Christ. And we now share in his burial and resurrection. This is the story of first importance. This is where if we drop anchor in the storm, this is where we hold firm. You with me on this? So Paul says more in Colossians. If you're in Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. So who is this Jesus? Well, read this with me. He's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. By him, all things were created in heaven on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. He's before all things. And in him, all things hold together. Paul's laying out, he's going to lay out this, who, before we move on to other things, we need to understand who Jesus is. This is of first importance. Jesus shows us who God is, who the light is. We said this before, he created, he, but he's first. He holds all things together. That's hard to believe at times, isn't it? When we look at the chaos around us, When we look at the pain, it's so easy to say that it's hopeless. It's so easy to say that it's out of control. But what we find in the story of of Jesus is that he's there. He's holding all things together. I I don't, this, this is our, this is faith. Do we See it. Do we believe it? Do we trust it? Keep reading verse 18. It says more about him. He's the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. He might be first. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. All Everything that is God is present in Jesus. And through him, through Jesus, to reconcile himself to all things. He made everything right. He, he balanced the ledger. He reconciled it. Whether things on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of the cross. You see, the amazing thing, the amazing work that Jesus did is that I don't have to, I'm, I no longer am obligated to pay the price for my darkness. I'm no longer obligated to pay that price. You see, the, the scales were tilted against me because I'm, I'm rotten. And so are you. But the fact is, the reality is that because of what Jesus has done, see, he was all these things. He was, he, everything that is God is true in Jesus. He created, he holds it together. He's the first and yet he chose, he chose to make himself a sacrifice so that my darkness could be paid for. He reconciled it. He took, he took my debt and paid it off with his life and his death. And it's sealed through the resurrection. Look at verse 21. And here we are. And you, who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death, in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. You see, he's made he's made it right. He's taken the darkness and put light into it, so that did you catch the the trend again? Past darkness. To future hope, so that we can be presented blameless. We no longer are marked and identified by our darkness. We no longer are bound to be seen as nothing more than our sin. That the life of Christ in us makes us something that we can't be on our own. And all the confusion. And all the fear can be taken by him in the hope and the promise that one day it is not only gone in our position with him, but it's gone in the reality. We no longer experience it. And so we have a new story. And this is the fascinating thing it's the story that the world needs. Okay? It's the story that the world around us needs to hear. The world, this, it belongs to Jesus. This is our story. It's his. He made it. He owns it. He holds it together. This is our story. He gives everything its meaning and purpose. You see, we don't have to grasp in darkness hoping that we can come up with a purpose on our own. The the present-day myth of self-determination is a lie, that I have to find my purpose, that I have to tell my truth. It's a lie, and it leads further and further into darkness. The light is found in Jesus. He gives our lives meaning and purpose. He provides us with a direction. He sets us on a course. He's first and foremost. And we have to get to that place or we're stuck in the dark, in the confusion, in the fear. Hey, Bruce, it just fritzed out on me. Can you advance? So he gives us meaning and purpose. We're his agents, the second piece of this. We're his agents. This is, this is Matthew chapter 5. We're the light of the world. This is the next piece of the story. We're the light of the world. He, he brings light into the world and then hands it to us and says, now go and run with it. Take it into dark places. Show it to those who are living in the confusion. Show it to those who are living in the fear, in the doubt. We're on the team And then he says, stay the course. Stay the course. Like, stick with it. You're my agent, now go and do so that others can see the light. The world, this is, you know this. You know this just as instinctively as I do. The world needs the hope of Jesus. The world is desperately seeking for purpose. The world is desperately seeking for, for an answer to why things are the way that they are. And in Christ, we have an answer. We have an answer. Can we give it? Can we provide it? Can you tell the story of what Jesus has done for you? And finally, we have to proclaim this truth. We stay the course and we proclaim the truth. Can we carry it? Can we take it? Maybe this is, you may be here this morning and you would say, Tom, I'm just, I'm, I'm here visiting with family and I didn't know what, this may be the first time you're hearing this. And if that's the case, We'd love to talk to you more about this. We'd love to talk to you about the ways that Jesus has made himself available to us. What it means to say yes to him. What it means to to acknowledge his, his preeminence, his firstness. What it means to hand over my life in a way that he gives meaning and purpose and he takes our doubts. He takes our fears. We'd love to talk with you about that. If that's you, would you find me? Would you find me when we're done? I'll be up here. But you may be sitting this morning and you would say, I've heard this, Tom. I know this. And the challenge for us, the challenge for me and the challenge for you, those of us who said yes to Jesus, we've acknowledged that he is the first. We've acknowledged and we've, and we've, we've, at, we've made him Lord. But there's, there's always more because the world is still what the world is. The world is, is dark. The work of God is ongoing, and he's handed it to us to go and do and to take the light into dark places. This is our new story. Don't, don't you know people who need it? Don't you know folks who are just grasping in the darkness? The world is ready for the story of meaning that's presented in Christ, that he's taken away sin and he's sealed it through the resurrection. And we have hope of all people. We're not stuck with the despair. We're not stuck in the confusion. We have it. And the world is ready for it. It's primed. This is what Adventum is about, preparing ourselves to take the light and to go out into a world that desperately needs it. Can we do that? Can we do that? Would you pray with me? Lord, we're um, I I am thankful that you have done the work that you've made it possible for us to, to live in the light, and God, I also confess and ask you to um, to forgive me for choosing darkness, even still. For for choosing answers to to life's toughest questions that I think satisfy me, and in the end, they just lead me more and more into places of. Of fear and doubt. God, would you would you increase our faith? Would you would you prompt us, Spirit, would you show us? Show us who's next and 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 give us the strength to say, God, it's it's an opportunity. And I want to be your light. And God, we we pray this morning and ask, um, for those who who may just be introduced to you or may have a vague notion and ask this morning that that your spirit would speak, that you would um, you would push and and nudge and prompt, that we'd take a step to say, I, I want to know more. And God, we we give our time to you, we we give our lives to you and we know that in you is where we do find hope and purpose and meaning. And help us not to be, uh, to be selfish with it, but to have an open hand, to share the truth of who you are and what you've done. And we pray in Christ's name, amen.